Greetings and salutations, everybody. Thank you for pressing play on the latest episode of The Curated Culture. I am your gracious, humble host, Robbie Diesel. We took a week off. Yes, yes, we did. I know. I know you guys missed us, but we took a week off just to regather and re-strategize. But we're back with a brand new episode this week featuring none other than the author, Sandra Nicole. She is a fantastic human being, a brilliant writer, a writing coach, and she also happens to be my cousin. And we talked to her about her journey into the world of writing, both freelance and professional. Um, she's got a fantastic story about overcoming adversity and all the things thrown her way in life. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear that. But before we get into the show, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a five-star review and also drop a comment and share this with friends and family members. That helps us out, helps us get higher rankings in the algorithms which everybody wants, right? Thank you guys again for pressing play on this episode of The Curated Culture. And without further ado, let's get into it. Here she is, the author, Sandra Nicole. You already know by now, I'm Rob, your gracious, humble host. And today I am joined by a very, very, very special guest, somebody that honestly probably should have been one of my first guests and that was me dropping the ball on that one but I'm so excited to talk to this young lady here she's blood my cousin an inspiration of sorts because we are into a lot of the same things <laughs> the author Miss Sandra Peoples how are you doing today I'm great how are you fantastic fantastic thank you so very much for taking your time out today to talk to me oh you're welcome Thank you. I've, I've been really excited to do this for a while because I know you have a lot of really good insight and a lot of really good um, experience that you would be able to share with us. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out from this conversation here. Yes, I'm nervous. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> no reason to be, no reason to be. So the, the first thing that I like to do um, with, with each show is um, I like to start with a question. And that question is, who is Sandra Peoples? Well, I, Sandra Peoples, am an author. I write fiction as Sandra Nicole. I also do poetry and spoken word. Um, I am a business owner. I help other authors, first-time authors, get into the publishing industry by helping them to publish their own books and will write and publish their own books. And I'm also a mom, of course. And yeah, that's, that's me. I'm the author CEO. That's what I like to call myself. <laughs> you wear many hats. <laughs> what, um, what, what was your earliest memory of um, like discovering your love for writing? Do you remember a specific time frame or a specific event where you were like, this is definitely one thing that I want to do? Well, that happened when I was eight years old and I entered this writing contest that um, Ebony Jet magazine has sponsored. And I probably was the youngest person to enter the contest, but I wrote this story called The Season of a Thousand Murders. <laughs> and they wrote me back and they were like, um, we can't believe that something like this came from an eight-year-old. You have so much talent. So that kind of lit a fire, you know, under me and made me want to really pursue this uh, writing thing. And so even when I was in elementary school, we used to make little books and stuff. And I used to always get excited 
to show off my book. So it started in elementary school. Very, very early on in life. That's that's super cool. I, I hear that a lot, especially from people who um, have a passion for, you know, writing, whether it be uh, books or, or movies or music or anything like that, is that they recognize it super early on. Um, what what was one of the things that kind of definitely pushed you towards, okay, this is definitely the thing that I want to do. Was there like one specific project that, that really took off or was it just a a passion that you had early on? In high school, I wrote this letter. We had to, not a letter. It was like a story, um, not even really a story. It was a paper that we had to write. And it was called local color where you had to write about something that happened in could happen in your neighborhood. So I wrote this story about um, this group of high schoolers who they came to school and everything was normal at first when they got to school, but somebody has snuck a gun in the school building. And at the end of the day, one of the uh, main characters ended up getting shot in the story. And so my teacher, she put a note, a sticky note on the paper and she said you should get this published you should really be a writer and I'm just looking at that like I just throw the paper and but it kind of like inspired me you know to see that she saw that I could write so I still have that paper <laughs> with the sticky <laughs> note on it but um that's that was kind of what inspired me to want to pursue it and then when I went to college I got the same remarks from my professor because I wrote a story about a man who was pregnant and uh, (laughs) (laughs) the teacher fell in love with the story and he said you should really be a writer so it's like I've had so many signs that you know this is what I should do and so I just kept pursuing it after that right and and you've you've written about things kind of all over the board and it, it it seems to at least stand out amongst people what 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 are some of your um cues for inspiration or where do you pull your inspiration from when you start approaching a specific project sometimes it could be a movie I might have saw I would think about how I could have um, done that movie better or differently sometimes I get inspired by stuff I see in the news and then it's just stuff that I might have experienced my own self you know I could I pull a lot of inspiration from for my stories from my own life like things that I've experienced relationship wise and uh, relationships are a lot of what I write about. So (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of that stuff that I can add in stories. So I'll say that's my biggest inspiration. Biggest inspiration (laughs) right on is, is it, do you ever find it, um, you know, dealing with experiences that you've had in the past, have you ever started writing something, pulling from um, events that have happened to you that you found it kind of painful to write about? And, and if you have, how do you push past that? Or do you just kind of hit that point and like, no, this, this is not something that I want to dive into? Well, actually, when I find myself pulling from pain to write, it actually helps me to deal with the pain when I'm writing. So when I finish writing a scene, it's like whatever I might have been feeling kind of disappears once the scene is over. So it's, it's really like therapeutic when I'm you know, going through that process. And writing a lot of my books have really helped me deal with, you know, some of the issues that I had in different relationships. Like the first book I wrote, 
it, well, you remember it was called Foolish. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> dealing with, um, you know, that relationship, that marriage that I had then, that really helped me heal just by writing certain scenes, you know, through that book. So, yeah, I'll push through it because it, it helps me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's finding, or I guess I should say, you find yourself a lot of times when you're when you're writing through those through those issues and those struggles and and one of the most important things as a writer and and i'm stealing some some words from you here is, is finding your voice right like mm -hmm. what what does this look like what does this sound like um what are what are some of the things that that you really try to key in on when you yourself are you know writing the first thing i try to make sure that i um develop well are the characters in the book because if the characters aren't believable then i know people won't keep reading so i take time to make sure that i have good characters and i try to make sure that i have even though my stories take place in a fictional city i try to make sure that it's realistic like i don't um because of what i write a lot of my stories are based on stuff that's in like the flint area but it's in my fictional city. So <laughs> I try to make sure that um, um, if people read it, they kind of can say, if they're, you, if they're familiar with Flint, they might be like, oh, I, that sounds like Flint, you know? So I try to make sure that it's developed good enough to where um, it's fictional, but if people, people can relate to it too, you know? So I make Absolutely. sure it's relatable. I make sure my characters are relatable and all that stuff. So I just take time and build all that out first and then really get into the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned Flint. That's that's where we're both born and raised. Mm -hmm. um, it is a, a beautiful city. It is a very diverse city for the most part. And I, I find that there's a lot of talented people from mm -hmm. Flint, but they, they never really get that shine, you know? Right. Um, my question to you is what or how did growing up in Flint influence your writing style? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, growing up in Flint, you experience a lot of different things and being able to pour that into the stories is, is what really influenced it. Like, you know, I don't know if you remember, but a lot of um, my stories deal with people that um, I've come in contact with. Like one of my stories uh, dealt with um, one of my friends that was killed. And because I was seeing and seeing and hearing about that kind of stuff a lot, it made it more easier to write about it. And so I try to keep my stories with elements of realism in them anyway. So like when I wrote about him and, you know, what happened, you know, how it felt when he, when I found out he had died and all of that, it kind of made it easier to write it. And so it's like being, being from Flint, it kind of, I don't know, I can't find a word. It's, it's like so inspirational because you do go through a lot of stuff when you're growing up in this city. And it's like, you see stuff that other people don't see on a regular basis. And so it makes it, it's like it's a part of you. So you have to infuse it in what you write. 
Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. People, I hear people often say a lot, like, you know, if, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And, and most right. of the time it's like those bigger cities, New York and stuff like that. And I'm like, have you ever been to Flint though? <laughs> like, <laughs> have you ever lived in Flint? Because I feel like the same is true here. You know, there's, there's a lot of hardships, whether it be um, financial or, you know, economical or mental or just uh, all around. And mm-hmm. to be able to find ways to channel that as you have with your writing is, I think is, is just, is magical. It's a beautiful thing. So very, <laughs> very much kudos to you in doing that. Um, I, I want to ask you something because I, I remember this from being like in my childhood, being younger, I, f- I feel like I remember you wrote a play. Oh yeah. <laughs> you were- <laughs> You wrote a play and I remember being younger and thinking like that was the coolest thing in the world because in my circle, I wasn't really exposed to that side of things, right? You know, we Mm -hmm. all grew up in church households and and church families and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you would would have certain events that you would go to at, at church and things like that, but I was never really exposed to the arts from a personal level. So I, oh, I want to ask, I want to ask what, what inspired you to write that play and then actually pursue it and put it on? Cause you had, you ran the production front to back. <laughs> Ooh, that play. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just another part of writing that I wanted to see if I could do it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put this, I'm going to write this play. Cause I, oh, I know the play actually, I wrote it in high school, mm-hmm. but I never did anything with it. Like we started trying to have rehearsals and all that stuff, but it just flopped in high school. So when I got in college and I like took uh, theater classes, I was like, oh, I can do my play now. So <laughs> I had to rewrite the script a little bit and cast people and everything, but it, that was so much fun. And you know, um, I was actually thinking about revamping that play and doing it again. Really? Like, yeah, it was just something I just wanted to see if I could do it. And so I did it and I could scratch that off my list of stuff <laughs> that I could do. <laughs> that is, that's awesome though. Like I, I, like I said, I remember just being in awe, seeing it happen, like, you know, from the inception all the way to actually attending uh the, mm-hmm. I remember Kevin had a little part in it <laughs> and it was cool yes. and it was it was so much so though like that led to me like um I remember being in like eighth grade and we could choose little electives and all that and I remember mm-hmm. because of your play I remember enrolling in the drama class and I got Aww. to be I got to play the part of the dad in the in a play called <laughs> family reunion and I was like yeah this is this is this is my shot this is this is my celebrity moment <laughs> so that's another thing I have to thank you for you you inspired me to pursue that that part as well oh well that's good to know <laughs> So I, I got to ask too about like the, the books and the characters uh, that, that you create now. Um, and especially being uh, a, a woman author, a black woman author, <laughs> do you, do you find yourself kind of gravitating towards a specific type or style of writing, or do you kind of dabble in everything so that they can't put you into any kind of particular mold? 
Well, that's the issue that um, I think a lot of Black authors do face is um, it's like when people know when you write a certain kind of thing, it's like that's what they expect you to write. So like me, I kind of got um, pushed into writing urban fiction because for one, I had a publisher and two publishers. And so that's what they specialized in. And when I tried to, <clears throat> excuse me, when I tried to break away from that and write other kind of stuff, it wasn't received as well as the urban fiction was. And I don't know if um, people knew my race when they you know, were looking for the other books, but it was like, I don't know. It's like when I write urban fiction, the readers are like looking for it and they're like ready to buy it. And it's like when you switch and try to write, you know, another style of writing, the people just like, oh, okay, a book. You right. know, they don't get <laughs> as excited. Yeah. Like, but it's like when you write urban fiction and it just seemed like that's what people like to read. So I don't know so much if, like I said, if they knew my race with the other books or not, or if they like connected um, my urban fiction with the other stuff I was trying to write. I don't know. <laughs> but it just seems like um it just seemed like uh the readers that have read my work they seem to gravitate more towards the urban fiction than they do the other stuff the other so. stuff right right mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like that um that you get typecast as an author you know like no nobody really knows if the, if the lady that wrote harry potter has other books out like right. harry potter <laughs> is is her wheelhouse and, and i'm sure it's the same thing as the guy that wrote, you know, the Game of Thrones series, like mm -hmm. nobody knows if he has other books, like that's his bread and butter. So mm -hmm. with that being said, is it is it something that you struggle with knowing that, you know, you're, you're going to be definitely more successful writing this style book, knowing that you may want to pursue other styles? Yes, it is actually <laughs> a struggle because sometimes, you know, when you write urban fiction, they kind of expect your book to have certain elements like they expect a lot of language they expect you know descriptive sex scenes and all of that so sometimes I'm like okay I really want to tame this down it's only so much this stuff you can write <laughs> you can write about and it's like um but if you take that out like I wrote another story called um the love was it no it was a man for Christmas okay and one of the readers read it and she wrote me in on my uh, on Facebook, and she said, "This story is boring because there's no sex." I said, "What?" Wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow! So, she's like, "Your other books are just so amazing, but this one, I just, I just can't get with this one." So I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I guess I'll spice the next one up. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they expect it. And if you don't yeah. put that in there, then they will say, well, this is not urban fiction. I'm not going to read it. Some of them won't even support you anymore if wow. you try to write, you know, other stuff. So it's like once you write urban fiction and people tar start to know you for that, then they won't even look for your other stuff. If it, if it doesn't say urban fiction, they won't read it. They'll mm -hmm. start following other authors and they won't buy your books anymore so wow wow yeah. so what what are do you have any specific methods or tactics that you yourself put in place to kind of toe that line and find that balance between 
writing the stories that you truly genuinely want to write and also keeping the audience satisfied is is there a balance between the two or does one typically outweigh the other well it can have a balance to it if for me i always try to incorporate some of the urban fiction elements in there but also make sure i'm telling a good story because what some people say about urban fiction books is that a lot of them are poorly written you know the storylines are rushed and all that kind of stuff so i read reviews of what people say about other books and i try not to do that with mine okay so i try to keep it um you know keep it a good balance so that it's not too much you know of one thing not enough of another mm. so yeah it's a balance good okay and how how important is it for you to you know not let the, the the negativity or anything like that steer your writing direction how important is it for you to always maintain your voice it's crucial because if you listen to the negativity you'll stop writing because one thing about the readers of urban fiction they are very cutthroat and some of <laughs> some of them are mean and uh -huh. they will you know they'll tell you um you know so for me, I just focus on the fact that I, I'm writing something, I'm, you know, using my gift, I'm going to write this story, if they like it, oh, well, if they don't like it, oh, well, it's out there, so, right, <laughs> yeah. What was, what was it like working with, um, working with, like, the, the publishers and the publishing companies and things like that, are, are there, knowing what you know now, if you could rewind it a little bit, are there any moves that you would make a bit differently? Yeah, if I could go back, I would take that opportunity more seriously. See, when I got the publisher, I was used to self-publishing. So I was used to writing books whenever I wanted to. I was used to, you know, having creative control over the cover and all of that. Versus when I got with the publisher, we had to crank out books every nine days, 45,000 word books every nine days. Wow. <laughs> And then, you know, they pretty much told you what was going to be on the cover and all of that. Now, while that may seem like a lot, it's really not a bad thing because the publishers also come with a built-in audience. When you do it yourself, you got to build your own audience up. And that can be hard because when you're indie, you're competing with those same publishers. So they have their audience. And sometimes if they get upset with the author, they'll blacklist that author and tell wow. people not to support that author. So luckily I didn't, you know, give them <laughs> yes. on bad terms. Right. But, but if I could do it differently, I would um, take that opportunity more seriously because um, a lot of the people who came in with me through the same publisher, they've built like massive careers now publishing fiction, whereas I'm still trying to um, connect with a fiction audience. And mm. so, a lot of the readers that I had when I was with that publisher, I kind of lost because I took a break from writing. And if you take a break in urban fiction, you might as well just consider yourself a brand new author when you, <laughs> when you come out with a, with another book because they'll forget about you. So Right. It's, it's like hitting the reset button in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, do you do you have a personal preference between the two? Like, do you prefer self-publishing or do you do you personally like going through a publisher? I like self-publishing um, only because I don't, I like not having to share 
my money with somebody (laughs) (laughs) because the way the publisher was set up you know we did like a 50 50 split Mm -hmm. so sometimes i would see my sales and i'll be like oh that'll be a nice check then i think oh i gotta split it (laughs) Uh, i got you (laughs) yeah (laughs) always profit sharing i guess So let's mm-hmm. um let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your um writing coaching. What what led you to get into that aspect of the game? A lot of authors, well, not authors, a lot of aspiring authors come to me and they always want to know, you know, how can I write a book? How do I start writing a book? What's the process and all of that? So I was like, hmm, a lot of people keep asking me this question. So what can I do about it? <laughs> so at first I started just offering little classes here and there to like talk about different parts about, you know, the process. And then I started actually coaching them. So they would come to me with their story idea and then we would actually turn it into a book, you know, so they would go through this process and then they would complete their book. Mm-hmm. All right. And what, what's your what's your favorite aspect of, of that? Is it is it the helping aspect or is it like do you find yourself kind of sharpening your own blade, so to speak, by helping other writers? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of the two, because I do find myself learning things as I go through the process or remembering stuff that, you know, I might have forgotten over time. And then, you know, it's the gratification of seeing this person has finally achieved this goal that because one lady came to me, she had been trying to write a book for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. And she was saying so many people have told her that she should write a book, but she didn't know where to start. So she took uh, one of the classes that I offered. And from that class, she ended up writing her book. And that was like one of the best feelings to know that, you know, I helped somebody who had been trying to do this for 20 years. I helped her do it in like four weeks. So wow. mm-hmm. that's incredible. Now, right now we live in, in the digital age. Everything mm-hmm. is online. Everything is social media with your writing and, and with your coaching. How important is it for you to maintain visibility online? Oh, it's very important. That's why I'm always doing something like letting people know that I'm here. I can help you with your writing. I'm in groups, I'm in all kinds of stuff, you know, trying to stay visible so people can know, you know, that I'm here because there's so much competition, especially in this space. And a lot of people that are, you know, saying they're coming out with these coaching programs and stuff, a lot of them don't even get the author's results, you know, the aspiring authors. And some of those people come to me and they'll say, I wish I had known about you. And I'm like, well, I'm in these groups. So <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what do you find is, is probably one of the most challenging things about um, the, the, the writing space? You know, what's, what are some of the hardships that you face? Hmm. Well, in this space, especially among people who are self-publishing, there are a lot of scammers, a lot of people who just seem to exist to take people's money. And so I hear so many authors who are losing rights to their books. Um, they're, they're just getting taken advantage of. So that's like, um, you know, one of the sad things about this industry is people pray on the fact that there are so many people that want to write books. So they figure, okay, we can just tell them anything, you know, and they'll come to us. And so 
I that's something that I see a lot and you know it's something that I'm trying to combat is you know helping these authors and let them realize that there's somebody who really does care about your career (laughs) (laughs) how do how do you um how do you maintain that that um authenticity though whether it be your approach in coaching or whether it be your writing itself like how do you how do you come across as being this genuine person that's really out for the best interests of your readers or the best interests of your clients usually it comes across in the content that I post like um, a lot of people do find me from social media and they'll say it's because my personality was inviting or they'll say that something I said on social media really resonated with them. So it comes across in what I post and the way I present myself, you know, when I'm doing videos or presentations or something like that. I try not to come across as this like pushy, arrogant person. Cause you know, a lot of people do come across as arrogant. Like I've published 8 million books in. You right. know. <laughs> exactly. So I try not to come across as that. But. Yeah. And now in, in your, in your field, in our field, in, in this field in particular, um, there is a lot, like you said earlier, you're kind of competing against a lot of different forms and and factors. Um, Mm. how, how do you yourself, um, maintain an original style in this, in this sea of authors who I would imagine are also writing a lot of the same content that you're writing. How, how do you maintain that individual voice? What I try to do is keep in contact with the people who have connected with me, like on my um, mailing list, I try to, you know, pop in and say, say hello, see how they're doing and stuff like that. Um, I just try to continue to always be nice to the people you know that have supported me and I think that's what has really kept people reading my books even when I took breaks was the fact that you know I'm always letting them know that I'm a person you know some people take on this celebrity status and you know some celebrities are untouchable and so that's how they present themselves and I try to present myself as you know the girl next door you can talk to me you know I'm your friend you know (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that and I guess you know it's worked because like I said the first book I did with my publisher was in um, 2014 or 15 and I still have a lot of those people who you know they still support me Mm -hmm. because I make an effort to be personable yes and and so having had the you know you've seen both sides of the coin you've had hits you've had misses You've had highs and lows. When when you when you find yourself having those successes, though, what do you what do you do to to stay grounded? You know, to be like, yo, there's still work to be done. This this isn't the big break, or you know, <laughs> to maintain that that grounded, centered attitude. Because you're you're very chill, laid back person, and um, I, I can't foresee you being like big shot celebrity person. But what what do you do to keep yourself grounded? Well. I don't know I just that's just how I am (laughs) because you know when I get to talking about um accolades and stuff that I have people get shocked and they're like you're just so quiet and so (laughs) you know like you said laid back it doesn't seem like you've accomplished all this stuff I'm like yeah I've done this I did that you know 
I'm a person who just doesn't like to brag a lot because I don't want to make somebody else feel like they haven't accomplished anything. And it seems like when you come in the room and you start bragging about, yeah, I got this award. Yeah, I wrote all these books. It just seems like it makes it might make somebody else feel less than. And I don't want to crush anybody's dreams or anything like that. So if people ask, then I'll tell you, you know, what I've accomplished and all that. And that's when I get to shock people. Right. But <laughs> but other than that, I just don't like to brag and all of that. And, just you know, just always talking about everything you've done. Like every now and then I might um, post something on social media to say, you know, I've accomplished this or I've done that or whatever. But. I just like to be the friendly person, you know, the way that I am. I, I just, that's just me. Yeah. You, you have that humble spirit. And I, and I would like to think that's like you said earlier, why so many people find you so approachable and, and so helpful in a sense, because you're not like, yo, I've, I got this award. I've published this many <laughs> books and all that. Um, what, what are, what are some of the, um, what are some of the next things that you have lined up in terms of projects? You're working on anything else in particular that you can talk about, of course. I don't want you throwing <laughs> out any exclusives. If you got some, I'll take them. But <laughs> well, I am thinking about revising the first play that I did, Tamika's Gift, and um, bringing that back. Um, and then I'm working on a few books, but I've really been. Uh, building up my freelance writing business because mm. that is so cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah that's what I've been working on that and then I have a few um, authors who I'm getting ready to finish up their projects so that they can um, you know have those published and okay. so that's it right on I mean you you staying busy that's the most important part can we can we talk about the freelance writing thing for a second like yeah. how let's let's talk about that what what are you what are you into <laughs> is is it like uh just books specifically or are you doing like online magazines or anything like that well I've actually written for this site uh called inkwell editorial okay and she was doing a series on how you made your first five hundred dollars and so I just like pitched her one of my story ideas and well, article ideas. And she liked it so much to where she wanted me to write like four other articles for her. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Cause I was cranking out the articles like in an hour I was done with them. So <laughs> I was like, this is the easiest money I ever made. So, right. <laughs> so now though, I want to go more after uh, the B2B, the business to business sector, because okay. I see that they really need that's huge writers mm -hmm. yeah so that's what i'm i'm going after that right on right on and what what um if any what, what advice would you have for anybody out there that's considering um taking the leap into freelance writing because it's, it's not some people just kind of look at it like yo i can write i can probably publish an article but it's <laughs> it's not it's not easy at all no, <laughs> so what what advice would you offer to somebody that is maybe considering dipping their toes into that side of the field well first they have to sit down and see if they actually want to write like really write like full time because there there's a lot of work out there but there's also a lot of people who um well, it's also competition, mm -hmm. depending on what you want to write. Now, if I know um, people writing blog articles and stuff like that, that's where most of the competition is. 
but if you can get into more of the techie side of it like emails landing pages stuff like that that's a good place to start and they also want to brush up on their skills like Mm -hmm. making sure they can um, accurately um, tell the story of the company making sure they can finish a complete sentence because You'll be surprised yeah. at how many people, you know, don't, you know, we used to write those little short sentences for our emails or uh, right. text messages and stuff. So making sure you actually want to do this because while somebody like me, I'm used to writing like 45,000 words in like mm-hmm. nine days. So mm-hmm. if somebody comes to me and want me to write like a five to thousand word article, I can do that in an hour. Right. But for somebody else that might take, two days right (laughs) days or a week or something and then make sure that they know how to research too because Mm -hmm. you do have to do a lot of research you know depending on the company that you choose Mm -hmm. so just make sure they brush up on their research skills practice writing 500 to a thousand words every day if you get into the habit of writing like every day writing something it doesn't even have to be anything major it don't have to be business related or anything like that just practice writing at least 500 to a thousand words every day and that'll get you in the habit of you know writing articles for people so right on right on well i think that's all that i got for you today this has been a fantastic talk i i I feel like i could talk to you for like three hours and you i don't want i don't want you giving away the game for free though so where uh <laughs> where can the people follow you or or keep up with your progress so go ahead and plug all your projects your socials whatever you got going on right now okay well my facebook profile they can find me on facebook.com slash sandra p or they can see my business page on facebook which is sandra n peoples instagram is sandra n peoples twitter is sandra n peoples um, my website is sandrianpeoples.com. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to find my books, they can go to amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Sandra Nicole. And that's all one word. So okay. I'll make sure to um I'll make sure to link to that when I when I publish this episode too. So it'll be a lovely little link that y'all can click on and go right to her uh, <laughs> site and right to her Amazon page and support this woman. She is uh, an inspiration again to me. As you can hear, she knows her stuff. Sandra, <laughs> thank you so very much for, for being on. I'm gonna have to have you back on. We're gonna have to, to, to do a part two of this at some point. Yeah, this was fun. It seemed like it went by so quick. It it always does. <laughs> <laughs> it always does. I have to myself, I have to like keep track of the time and I have to start winding down because I'll go for an hour and a half, <laughs> two hours before I know it. And that's just selfishly, that's a nightmare for me to edit. So <laughs> that's why I'm like, okay. But I, I do, I tremendously appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom and your knowledge. And I, um, I appreciate everything that, that you have done so far, because again, it shows me that when I have those passions that I want to pursue, that I can do it with enough hard work and effort. Um, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you so very much. And thank you for being on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. That was it, guys. 
what an absolute gem am i right like listening back to that podcast listening back to that episode i picked up so many different knowledge nuggets because sandra is just that she is a wealth of little knowledge nuggets she's got a ton of experience in the field so make sure that y'all check out her work man i'm gonna link to her amazon page where you can buy the books i'm gonna link to the website where you can check out every project that she's involved in i just i really thoroughly enjoy having conversations with people like that man because of of the experience because of the perspective that they offer um pursuing your dreams and going after things that you really love to do is 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 something that i love seeing in people and i love talking to people about so that was it, man. This episode is done and over. I would say you can stick a fork in it, but you're listening to this digitally, I'm assuming. So don't jam forks into your ears, I guess. Um, thank you guys so very much for tuning in. Uh, as always, make sure that you're following us over on the social media via at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram, at underscore Curated Culture on Twitter. And then you can follow along with me personally at Robbie Diesel on pretty much everything on the tweets, on the Instagrams, on the Snapchats. Love, love, love to hear from you guys. So make sure you drop me a line there. Again, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure you drop us a five star review, five star rating. That helps us get more eyes and ears on the product. We rank higher in the algorithms, which means more people see us. We tremendously need your help with that. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We're back with another standard episode of The Curated Culture next Monday. That's right. Myself and Maria will be back with a brand new episode of The Curated Culture featuring something super weird, something oddball from across the world of news and reviews and pop culture. But until then, thank you guys so very much for listening. I, as always, am your gracious, humble host, Robbie Diesel. And I'll catch you all on the next one, man. Peace.